Hello, my name is Tony Reid. Welcome to GAY, a programme for LGBTI people and their friends on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM and other access radio stations around New Zealand. Now today it's just me. I am working on other interviews, but you have to sometimes work harder if you do, uh, to get responses, especially if, if somebody's going to be popular. So watch this space, hopefully next month. But this month I decided I would play to you um, a number of musical items and also non-musical items. All of these are also available as videos on YouTube, but I've picked them because I felt that, that even without vision they were still interesting. So let's start off with just a piece of music, which was actually left over from a previous program. And it's Ollie Alexander again, who is still calling himself Years and Years, even though the band has dismantled and it's only him, but never mind. And after his triumph in, in the TV series It's a Sin, and I played you him singing that Pet Shop Boys number um, um, in a previous program, uh, there were, there's also another video available which needs a video and not just listening um, of a new version of it with Elton John, which is definitely worth looking up. It was very popular when it came out. But I'm not doing It's a Sin again. I'm doing his new single, Starstruck, which was the first um, number he produced as a solo artist after he, he and the band parted company. And so here is Ollie Alexander singing Starstruck live on The Graham Norton Show. Not giving, not giving you up, but not giving, not giving you up, but, 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 no, I can't help 
My first um, video without vision, if, if you want to call that, is from The Naked Civil Servant. Quentin Crisp was um, originally a not very well-known um, character. Um, he lived for most of the 20th century. He lived life as a very flamboyant gay man long before that was a very safe thing to do, and he wrote a memoir. That was then turned into a TV movie in 1975, brilliantly acted by John Hurt. And I'm playing you my favourite scene from it. It's the courtroom scene, which actually um, does take place in, in wartime. There will be one reference that makes that clear. Um, Quentin has been um, arrested for soliciting for moral, immoral purposes. And it opens with him appearing in the court and there is the magistrate and you'll, you'll also hear another voice, which is the clerk of the court who asks him various questions. Uh, police g give evidence about what happened and he then decides to go into the witness box where he gives a grand performance. Um, um, it's all done. He is speaking but he's also the commentator throughout it but it's fairly clear which is which we then have some character witnesses and then we have the punchline at the end which explains it all so here is john hurt playing quentin crisp um in 1975 on the brilliant tv program and taking on the taking on the british law i was assailed by two contrary feelings the first was that here was the long-awaited situation which would need all my powers of survival. The second was that I might easily fall in a dead faint and it would be just as well if I did. Quentin Crisp, you are charged with soliciting for an immoral purpose on September the 28th in Catherine Street, Russell Street and Tavistock Street. Do you plead guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Speak up, I can't hear you. Not guilty. Sit down, Mr. Crisp. Thank you, sir. I swear by Almighty God, the evidence I shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Detective so help him, God. On September the 28th, I was on plainclothes patrol duty in the West End, together with Detective Constable J. Robinson. At approximately 6 p.m. in Catherine Street, I saw the accused. He approached and spoke to a man who turned away from him, as if offended, and walked rapidly away. I then, together with Detective Constable Robinson, kept the accused under observation at a distance of approximately 15 yards while he proceeded from Catherine Street into Tavistock Street, Drury Lane, and then to Russell Street. This was from approximately 6 p.m. until approximately 6.20. During this time, he approached three other male persons and spoke or was tempted to speak to them. In each case, after a few words had been spoken on both sides, the person to whom the accused had been speaking turned and walked away from him, looking as if disgusted and horrified. The final occasion I saw this happen was immediately outside the Fortune Theatre in Russell Street at approximately 6.20. I then went up to the accused, I informed him of the charge and took him into custody at Bow Street Police Station. One must never say that the police are liars. Do you wish to ask the officer any questions about his evidence? Stand up. Uh, no. Why don't I wish to question him? Because you must never say that the police are liars. At approximately 6 p.m. in Catherine Street, I saw the accused. He approached and spoke to a man who turned away from him as if offended. And Fourteen years ago, I ceased to be a homosexual prostitute. 
Of my own accord, I threw off the burden of homosexuality by transforming it into a cause. I decided to make the problem clear by making it evident. I must now do something publicly to fight for that cause. Looking disgusted and horrified, the final occasion on which I saw this happen was immediately outside the Fortune Theatre in Russell Street at approximately 6.20pm. I then went up to the accused, informed him of the charge and took him into custody. Have you anything to say, Mr. Crisp? Yes. You may say what you have to say from where you are. Or, if you wish, you may go into the witness box, in which case you will be put to oath. Now, which do you prefer? Well, I can't possibly play my big scene with my back to the audience. The witness box, please. Take the book in your right hand. Look I up. swear by Almighty God the evidence I shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Your name? Quentin Chris. Quentin. You are a male person, I presume. Yes. Your address? Full address? 97 Bewley Street, London, South West 3, England. Do you deny the facts as given in evidence by the two police officers? Yes. Are you saying that the police are liars? No. What are you saying, then? I am saying that I think they were mistaken. Do you deny that you were in the places mentioned at the Times mentioned? Oh, not at all, no. I was definitely in Catherine Street at six o'clock. I remember this particularly because it was then that the two gentlemen who later arrested me came up and spoke to me for the first time. They what? They asked to see my papers. I showed them my exemption papers, which say that I am suffering from sexual perversion. Is this true? Yes, sir. It is certainly true that I am a sexual pervert, but I've never been quite sure about the word suffering. <laughs> you are a sexual pervert? Yes. You are attracted to men and not to women? Yes. You go to bed with men? I have done sometimes, yes. Do you deny that you spoke to men in the street? I deny that I approached anyone or that I spoke to anyone before he spoke to me. But you spoke to men? Only if they demanded some reply. In Catherine Street? I don't think I said anything in Catherine Street. It was there that a man came up to me and said, Forgive me, you effing pansy, you ought to be locked up. And I didn't reply, because this really didn't seem to demand any reply. <laughs> and in Tavistock Street? I think it was in Tavistock Street that a man came up to me and pushed me in the chest, but I can't be absolutely sure. Why not? Because that sort of thing happens to me all the time. Mr. Crisp, are you saying that the police officers misinterpreted what they saw? I am saying that they made a very natural mistake. They had seen from my papers that I was homosexual. Good heavens, they could have told from my appearance as you can now. They were watching me from 15 yards or so when I had these brief exchanges with various men and it may well have seemed from a distance... But you are saying on oath that in no case did you make the first approach. My lord! No. I beg your pardon, sir. Sir, look at me. I wear lipstick, I wear rouge, I wear mascara on my eyelashes, I dye my hair, I wear flamboyant clothes, far more outre than those I'm wearing now. 
I am a self-evident, self-professed, effeminate homosexual for all the world to see. How could I hope to solicit anybody in broad daylight in a crowded London street looking as I do? What would I expect but a curse and a blow? No. My appearance sets me apart from the rest of humanity. It is not easy for me to make human contacts. With strangers it is almost impossible. I learnt many years ago the golden rule of my life. In public places I do not speak to anyone unless they speak to me. I do not look at anyone unless they demand that I look at them. It is the only way I know of getting safely to my destination. Have you anything else to say, Mr. Crisp? Yes. I have never refrained from any course of action on the ground that it was illegal or immoral. But I no longer ask strange men for money because I do not think that I would get it. Perhaps, perhaps my very existence is a form of importuning. Otherwise, I am not guilty as charged. Thank you. Please return to the dock. Well, I flatter myself London has not seen a performance like that since Sybil Thorndyke St. Joan. Do you know he is a homosexual? Yes. And yet you say he is a friend of yours? Yes. Do you know he is a homosexual? Yes. And yet you describe him as respectable? Yes. Do you know he is a homosexual? Yes. And yet you call him a good man? Yes. Thank you. Mr. Crisp. Stand up. Have you any other witnesses to character? About ten, I think. I am tired of this recital of your praises. There is insufficient evidence to convict. By which he means the police are liars. Case dismissed. My second video, which is definitely a, a, a sound only, although it comes from a, a YouTube series called Letters Live, in which um, a number of mostly well-known actors and actresses uh, read letters by famous people. But it lends itself obviously very well to just sound because there's not much happening on the screen. I'm moving now from one of the heroes of the 20th century to perhaps the, oh, oh yes, not just perhaps, the greatest hero of the 20th century. For a long while, Alan Turing was unknown, and now he's on British banknotes. So everybody knows about Alan Turing now. And this is a letter he wrote to a friend, Norman Routledge, in 1952, and he'd just got in trouble with the law. And it's fairly self-explanatory. It's read by Benedict Cumberbatch, um, who played Turing, of course, in the film The Imitation Game. So here is Yours in Distress, a letter by Alan Turing. My dear Norman, I don't think I really do know much about jobs except the one I had during the war, and that certainly did not involve any travelling. I think they do take on conscripts. 
It certainly involved a good deal of hard thinking, but whether you'd be interested, I don't know. Philip Hall was in the same racket, and on the whole, I should say he didn't care for it. However, I am not at present in a state in which I am able to concentrate well, for reasons explained in the next paragraph. I have now got myself into the kind of trouble that I have always considered to be quite a possibility for me, though I have usually rated it at about ten to one against. I shall shortly be pleading guilty to a charge of sexual offences with a young man. The story of how it all came to be found out is a long and fascinating one, which I shall have to make into a short story one day, but haven't the time to tell you now. No doubt I shall emerge from it all a different man, but quite who I've not found out. Glad you enjoyed the broadcast. Jefferson certainly was rather disappointing, though. I'm afraid that the following syllogism may be used by some in the future. Turing believes machines can think. Turing lies with men. Therefore, machines do not think. Yours in distress, Alan. I think the ending of that letter is particularly poignant. His fear that his uh, all his um, all his work on computers and things would be discounted because of uh, uh, because of the fact that he was gay, um, and it's uh, just a, just an example of how ridiculous and stupid the whole legal situation was at that time. Um, and, of course, since then there have been apologies and law changes and goodness knows what else. So, apart from the religious fundamentalists, most people have seen the light. We'll go on to some music now, and a well-known uh, piece of music by Leonard Bernstein with words by Stephen Zondheim. So, that's the gay connection. The singer Aaron Tveit is quite a well-known Broadway Singer, He is likely to win uh, the Tony Awards when they finally happen in a few weeks' time. Uh, he's likely to win the award for, uh, for leading man in a musical, largely because I think he's about the only candidate. West Side Story was, of course, written by, uh, written by Bernstein and the words by Zondheim, um, who has said that his favorite lyric, uh, actually from West Side Story, comes from the song Maria, which is one of the best-known songs in it. When asked, you, what's your favourite line? He just says, I've just met a girl named Maria. And, of course, the song is very uh, uh, consists of endless repetition of the name, almost manic. Um, it's also a very tenor aria. Suddenly he goes into the stratosphere. And, fortunately, Aaron Tivate is, uh, is seems to be used to singing at the tenor register. He's best known, for those of us who don't attend Broadway, uh, Broadway musicals, um, for his uh, line on Gossip Girl. He was the star of the TV version of Grease Live a, few, a couple of years back, and he starred the leader of the student uh, revolutionaries in the film of Les Mis. So that's where you'll have seen him. But here, there is a, there is a New Year's Eve concert in 2017, um, if, by the New York Philharmonic of, uh, of Bernstein on Broadway. 
and not having done much in the first half, he comes out and sings Maria, and I think it's about the best version I've ever heard. So without any more ado, here is Aaron Tveit singing Maria from West Side Story. The most beautiful sound I ever heard Maria, 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 Maria All the beautiful sounds of the world in a single word Maria Maria, 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 Maria. I've just met a girl named Maria, and suddenly that name will never be the same to me. Maria, I've just kissed a girl named Maria. And suddenly I found how wonderful the sound can be. Maria, say it loud and there's music playing. Say it soft and it's almost like praying. Maria, I'll never stop saying. Maria. Derek Jarman was a well-known um, film director. He was uh, not only very openly gay, but was also the, one, one of the first public figures to come out openly as HIV positive, and he died of AIDS in the 1990s. With this strange garden, is still there and, uh, and is, I think, and is, I think, being saved for the nation. One of his most successful movies was towards the end of his life, in 1991, Edward II. This is a version of the Christopher Marlowe play, but done, all done in modern dress and considerably gayed up with sort of gay pride demonstrators and everything. So it brings, and he adds a sex scene to make it quite clear that, he, that Edward II and Gaveston were lovers. 
But another stroke of genius is is introducing uh, music into it. Uh, and because the whole thing is sort of a mixture of styles, the original, the original Elizabethan text, but also visually very modern, he is able to introduce music. And at the point where Gaveston has been banished, we hear uh, Cole Porter's Every Time We Say Goodbye, sung by Annie Lennox. And this is the video from the actual movie. So you will hear some lines from the, from the film. Uh, uh, by the by, the two actors playing Edward and Gaveston, as Annie Lennox takes over, and a rather nice, fitting uh, final to this program of gay-related videos. Every time we say goodbye, I die a little. My lord, I hear it whispered everywhere that I am banished. Is it true? Dear stream, sweet Gaveston, thou must from hence or will be deposed. Sweet friend, take it patiently. My love will never decline. Is all my hope turned to this hell of grief? With two piercing words, thou from this land, I from myself am banished. Seeing I must go, do not renew my sorrow. Was ever a king so overruled as I? The time is little that thou hast to stay, and therefore give me leave to look my fill. Something to be pitied of a king.
I think it's been commented that that is sort of really totally inappropriate for a uh, for a 16th century play, but is an absolute uh, stroke of genius. And Annie Lennox is one of the best performers of that wonderful Cole Porter song. You can hear this program again next Tuesday at 8pm. At 8 it is also available on our website at www.coastaccessradio.org.nz or just Google Coast Access Radio. This is Tony Reid for GAY on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM and other access radio stations around New Zealand. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.